0: You are about to hear the Parental Advisory Podcast. Parental Advisory contains lots of adult content. You may hear swearing, sex talk, oh, yeah. discussions about the challenges of parenting, drink recipes, and more. Parental Advisory is real. It's raw and definitely not safe for work. Consider that your fing warning. So put up your feet, grab your favorite adult beverage. And behold the glory that is the Parental Advisory Podcast. Bob, putting, caffeine, does not apply to those that are driving. Here's Doug and Jay.
1: Well, hello, folks. Welcome to the Parental Advisory Podcast. I am one half of the host of the show. My name's Doug, and I'm Jay. How's it going? <laughs> oh, pretty good. Not too bad. <laughs> yeah, man. So. Uh... I'm pretty stoked that the guest we have tonight because it, it, it's a friend of mine and it's somebody that, you know, we, we always talk about um, in the dad 2.0 dad blogger world of, of folks that we really admire and, and folks that we are able to really converse with on, on a level just on the surface. And, you know, I met Jeff Bogle in um, at a, at a brewery, which is kind of ironic because he doesn't drink, but um <laughs> I met him at a uh, victory brewing and you know, it's something where I really admire how he writes and he's an OG dad blogger guy. He's from the way back at the beginning, not to make it be old Jeff, but um, yeah.
2: I, I'm i very old. That, no, thank you. I mean, that, that is definitely true. I'm, I'm one of the first, not only dad blogger, I'm one of the first dads that people don't know that about me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so right before, I think the f- kids came first, then I invented the internet, and then blogging. So I think that's the order in how I, wait, is that right, or did I invent the internet before children? I don't know. One of them. But I was a dad, and then I started writing about it, and then like moms jumped on board and became a thing, and mm. yeah, and then uh, us dads are just fighting for table scraps. <laughs> like you, you, and, you and Methuselah. I don't <laughs> I don't know if I under wait, I don't have Google next to me. I don't have my phone to Google what that meant. This is like being on with Doug, Doug. French. Doug says things. And I'm like,
1: I don't know what that word means. <laughs> us us Dougs are pretty good at kind of keeping people in the dark on weird stuff. Doug's shit. and no words. Ugh, we we words. are. We are. Methuselah apparently was like a like a nine hundred year old guy in the Bible. So Oh. Wow. The more you he lost know. me at the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that explains why I don't know what that <laughs> is so yeah Jeff so thanks for being on um, you know Thank there's you yeah this has been something that I, I said to Jay man we should really see if we can get Jeff on and I don't know why that never occurred to us before I, I sometimes I just have brain farts and they last for a long time <laughs> see also my first marriage but <laughs> 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 so yeah I'm, I'm thankful we get to have you here and uh you know as someone who like i said i always admire how you write i i love your perspective on stuff and you are just one of the most welcoming humans i've ever met at dad too Aww. so so thanks again for being here
2: oh thank you thank you guys both for having me on the podcast um and thank you for the kind words i admire how you write as well not to turn this into a mutual admiration society but um I I am a big fan of your style and your voice and the warmth that comes across in your writing. Um but yeah, I appreciate it. Um yeah, I've been doing this for a while. Uh this whatever this is exactly that I do. I mean it it's morphed and, and transfigured over the years and now is something that I never imagined it it being. Um not only that the writing, but the like the publishing aspect of what I do, the gatekeeper slash editor slash whatever that is. Um yeah, they, there's so much of what I do I could have never fathomed doing as a, a young person, uh, let alone a, a middle, a middle middle-aged. <laughs> what do you call the middle of your? Like I guess I'm middle-aged now, so like the middle of that, the middle of being middle, um, the quarter. What's that? Half of a half. That's a quarter, right? So yeah, the quarter age. Um, wow, I'm. Speaking of being good with words, I write better than I speak, I guess. <laughs> See, if I can't edit myself like for, for days on end, I just sound like a buffoon. And then have so- a professional editor clean me up even more. I am just a blithering idiot. A, hu-
1: a human bassoon. A human? No, a hu- wait, is that what I said? I thought you said bassoon. Maybe, again, oh. I'm the deaf guy. I might have gotten that oh. wrong. <laughs> A bassoon.
2: Oh God. I love the word bassoon. My favorite. All right. Real quick tangent. My favorite animated thing ever animated show. It's called over the garden wall. It was a six years ago. It was a, a five part mini series on comedy on cartoon network. There's a, a, the bassoon comes up in it and it's one of the best scenes in it. And I don't know if I've ever actually, well, I didn't use that word here. You heard it, but I didn't say it. Um, but I don't know if I've ever heard anyone use the word Bassoon um until today Uh, except for that show so thank you for making me remember um a very very beautiful moment in a great animated show that everyone should should love over the garden wall this is not hashtag ad i just love (laughs) i just love that show so much and so watch it
3: Outside of the things that we know, obviously, because we are acquainted with you or we are friends, you know, looking back on what has happened this year. So again, to to Doug's point, we're in a global pandemic. Um, On top of that, people are going through changes, uh, be it in their their work lives, their personal lives. Uh, Again, we know you from dad blogging, out with the kids, travel blogging. I know you've uh, been published in multiple publications, but... When exactly did you get that light bulb aha moment for deciding to publish your own material, like your oh, own God. zine?
2: Wait, for, are you talking about the f- publish my first material like as a blogger or?
3: No, no, no. um the okay, zine, because That so, was so yeah. long
2: ago. I don't remember the light bulb.
3: <laughs> no, just that we light bulb moment. Light to say...
2: We didn't have light bulbs. <laughs> <back>. <laughs> That was just whenever the sun came up, man. We didn't have artificial light back when
1: I was doing that. Um, you and Methuselah, man. I'm telling you,
2: again, again with the Bible, dug in the Bible.
1: Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's
2: me. the first light bulb thing for for Stanchion for the Zine. That, that's what you're talking about. So correct. Um, so, so the the pandemic shut everything down in March. Um, I lost a huge a freelance contract relationship because they went out of business in April. They pulled the plug really fast. Um, and I don't know what crystal ball they had. They were like, we're done, we're out. And that went like half my salary. And then, I, so I'm just like kind of not doing much. I'm not writing much. I'm not traveling. Just the anxiety of just the, the not just the global pandemic, but being in America in 2020 was come midsummer come or early summer it was just just so anxious I, I'm not an anxious person by nature but I, I was I couldn't do anything like I couldn't write there was nothing there I write from experience and I was experiencing like the inside of my four walls and that was it um and so I thought I, re, well, I remember so I used to run a record label back when I was uh say 97 back when I was 21. I started a record label, um, because I couldn't play any music. I, I, didn't, I music changed my life when I was 17, but I don't know how to play anything. Um, uh, I tried, I just don't have the chops for anything. So I started booking shows, hardcore rock shows and basements in Philly. And then that was just like trying to like flyer up record stores and try to hope people would show up was just way too much stress. So I thought like, I'm going to put, start a record label. And channel my my love for something and be creative i designed the artwork for it and helped with the liner notes and just did press and worked with promotion and it was just kind of like a project manager role but in on a creative angle and i was remembering that this summer like there that was a period where i wanted to do something but did but couldn't physically do it and in that time obviously i didn't have musical skill in in this year I have writing skill, but I just wasn't able to produce anything. Like nothing was coming out of me. So I'm like, what about if I do something <clears throat> and put something into the world that's not just on me? It gives me a creative outlet where I can design something and just kind of tinker with the font, and the typesetting, and uh, and then just call on good pals who can can write um, better than me and <clears throat> see if they'll lend me some of their like their you know. Bl- Old dead in internet terms, like you know, stuff that's been published decades ago, or like half a decade ago, or whatever that nobody finds anymore on the internet. Like, can I print that and like, actually make something to hold? Um, and I just did it, like, I just had the idea driving around. So, I have this side hustle uh, this year where I deliver toys for an independent toy store who pivoted to like the delivery model. Um, it's like same day delivery because. They, their store was closed early during covid and so I'm driving around beautiful June day and I'm like I think I want to do this and i'm I, I just pulled over and I called doug French our doug, dad to co-founder and our friend uh, and I'm like am I an idiot for wanting to put money into like the publishing world's dying nobody has money unemployment's through the roof am I stupid to want to like put a physical magazine (laughs) into the world and hope people pay for it? Um, And he probably, I don't know what he said, but he probably said yes, which just made me want to do it even more. Um, Cause I'm like, yeah, this is counterculture. This is like, it's counterintuitive. It's contrarian, which is so on brand for me. Um, And then I looked, then I looked into like what it cost. I'm like, it doesn't cost that much. Like why not do it? Like, why not just try it? Um, it's like a buck an issue or like a buck 20 or something. So I'm like, whatever, I've got some extra money lying around. From why not invest in something and see if I can birth a little bit of like beauty and, and light into? Well, it's still dark, but it was really dark in June of 2020. Um, yeah, so that was a, that was a very long answer to the light bulb moment. Um, the nuts and bolts of what it was about and why I did it and I man it's been so great <laughs> um you two are a big part of the reason why it's so great but like lots of people have said yes this is worth trying and um and I'm getting submissions from people I don't know like poets and artists and photographers and want so their work to be published and I mean who who wouldn't um
1: so yeah yeah that's it <laughs> And I, I, uh, the subscription folks, if you're interested is 15 bucks a year. I mean, it's, it's actually, 20, it's actually 20. I'm sorry. It's actually 20, 20. 20. So okay, I, yeah, sorry. I priced it. You
2: probably subscribed for 15. I subscribed I early on. Yes. Yeah. I, um, sometimes Jeff doesn't really think everything through when he starts. Right. <laughs> so, cause I was doing, I think it was like 15 free shipping and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's a buck to ship each issue. It's like a buck 20, a buck 30 to make each issue. Um, times four. Yeah, that's not going to work really. Um, Cause I wanted to get to the point where I'm at now with issue three is where I'm paying people for original work. Like the first two issues, it was mostly people I knew that had previously published stuff um, on the internet. And now that I'm getting so much work that's new and unpublished, I'm like, I, I want as a creative person, like well, there's no exposure really here, and even if there was, that's a bullshit thing to to sell to an artist, so I'm like, I need to give people a little something, just you know a lunch, treat yourself to lunch here, thank you for this poem um. And that was never going to work. I was never going to get to that point if I kept it at that price. So I'd upped it twice. It went from fifteen to eighteen to twenty, which is cover price. Twenty is cover price, but it's free shipping. So if you order an individual issue, it's cover price plus plus a dollar. So you're saving four bucks on shipping by subscribing, Um, and you're investing in independent journalism and publications, which and art, which is which you know is worth it's worth whatever, five bucks every three months. Whatever that equates to in the real world, if that what is that, a cup of coffee every three months or something? Um Yeah. So that's I think it's a good investment. I mean I'm I'm putting a lot into it to make it um substantial to hold and to reread and to like really have some shelf life and some value. What is the word for um not resale value. <laughs> Although I'd love man God, I like you selling stuff on eBay. I cannot wait. Once the debut issue, there are six copies left and they'll never be printed again. If other issues go out, I'll reprint them. The first issue is never being printed again. So I my yeah, dream. I have one of them. My I know. My dream is to you're in issue one. So um is to see that on eBay someday for like 25, 30 bucks like that. I have two dreams and that's a very bizarre dream, but I, the other, I, I have no goals for this. Um, other, which is weird for me. Usually when I start something, when I started the label, I'm like, my goals for a certain, like, I was 21, had no money at all. I was making nothing. I, the, the good people at discover and Amex and visa paid for my record label. Um, <laughs> And then I settled with them for much less than I actually owed them because I was get you know, that, you know, that, that racket. Um, so, uh, but I had like lofty goals. I wanted to offer, cause I knew that like bands didn't get health insurance cause they were independent contractors. So I wanted to give my bands health insurance and I didn't know what I was doing, but um, these were things that I thought about at 21 starting an independent record label. And so for this, I, I was thinking like, I want, to not do that. I don't want to think other than like eventually paying the, the, the contributors something and then having that continue to rise as money becomes available. But I have one goal and I'm going to state it. I've not said this publicly anywhere within five years. So I have a favorite short story author. Well, he's a novelist too, but I love his short stories. He's kind of my writing hero. His name's Peter Orner. Pete, if you're listening, hello. Um, my goal within five years is to have an original peter orner story in stanchion that's my only goal i set for myself i've i later added the seeing the debut issue on ebay someday (laughs) but when i'm like i'm not making any like i want to have 100 subscribers by the third issue none of that crap um i just want an orner within five years um that's that's my only dream
1: dream big man I mean, dream big in a very,
2: very small way. Because, <laughs> um, like, Peter Orner is a tremendous writer, and people, like, write, he's a writer's writer. Like, short story people love him. Um, the New York Times loves him. He's won lots of prizes that I don't even know all the names of, and fellowships and stuff. But, you know, he's not John Grisham <laughs> or... uh other right nicholas sparks you know he's peter orner he's a he's a small time author who's just remarkably good and he's a guy i go to whenever i'm in a drought he's my writer's block um like pill i will just open any of his short story collections and read anything anywhere um and we're talking like one page some stories are one page like micro flash fiction stuff some are yeah. Some are 10 or 20 pages, a novella in the middle of a couple of, of his collections. I'll pick up anywhere and just read something and the words just come out of me. It is like, it's like a performance enhancing drug. I'm like the Mark McGuire of short story writers. <laughs> when I, I like, I, I just inject orner right into my bloodstream. Is that where PEDs go? It, I guess it goes into the blood. Um, and, I'm, so. and I'm just writing like mad. It's it's pretty cool. Which is weird because sometimes, when, like, there's times beginning of this year. Now, I just said I couldn't write anything the beginning of this year or, or the middle of this year. I actually didn't, I I'd stayed away from Warner. Like, I'm like, I part of me didn't want to because I'm like, I don't think I don't have anything to say. So, like, I might technically start writing, but nothing's going to be there. I was I was really in the dumps. So, St- Stanchion was born um, in a dark place in the world. I was, you know, okay. But um and uh it's been great for me and I've I've gotten really great response from people, both contributors and people who who have took a chance on buying it. And that feels so fucking good.
1: I imagine it does because it's your you know it's a thing you created and um to your point about me being in the first issue, I when you actually messaged me and said, Hey man, I'd like to include this one piece and I was just like floored. <laughs> there's a, there's, really? a, there's a million people that write stuff that you could have picked and you picked something that I wrote. So I did I would was...
2: you were one of the first people I thought of. So Doug French wrote a story that's in there called The Marriage Next Door.
1: And it's a great and story. It,
2: it's so good. Um and then the the story of mine which kicks off the whole thing um called Future which I think is the best thing I've ever written. Um, and then, so, so my own story, Doug's story, which he had recently, like, that was somewhat new that he put on Medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you are the first name I thought of, honestly. Um, I'm like, I need to figure, I just didn't know which one. I'm like, I went through and, and <laughs> I, 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 felt, I felt weird about that one. Cause I know that that was something that like dad Two republished, I think, or, or ran on their site or something. Or so you read it, it? is that it the was, one you
1: read? No, the one I read was, uh. uh was yeah, that called, was the <laughs> one about my gambling addiction yes. and that yes. was uh that was a heavy piece the piece that you published was rituals uh, love, was, was, was basically just me making coffee for my wife and it's something I do every day but it's it's a ritual but it's it's born out of love and it's something that I I don't know I wrote that and I I literally there's some things you know how it is like like you both know that, like when sometimes you write something, something just kind of flows right the fuck out of you. Yeah. And other, other times yeah. it's like kind of a, kind of a slog.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: but that that ritual of love was like I wrote that in like twenty minutes, and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure it does. No, <laughs> yeah. um, it's
2: it's so good, and I think one of the things I love so much about it. Well, not I think. I mean, I know this the reason I love it so much is that the way I show love is all in the ritual. It's all in the making, the breakfast, and the tea. For my, my wife, my my uh, my wife is in the other room, and I hope she's listening. It, I make her tea every morning, and um, I just started making her oatmeal. She never had people really cook for her in her life, um, and that's what I do. It's like one of the things I love cooking. I I only wanted to be a chef. My only two careers that I ever wanted other than once I realized I wasn't going to play for the Red Wings because I think you need to skate. Um, <laughs> That's kind and, of prerequisite. And think. not be grossly overweight. Um, as a young man, those are, I couldn't really ice skate. I mean, I can, but like I fall down a lot, which they frown upon. Um, and so, and I was too big. So once I realized that the only, I wanted to be a chef um, and I wanted to own a bed and breakfast. And so uh, you know, normal 13-year-old boy stuff, just a charming B&B uh, is what I wanted to do. And so um, quick tangent, I realized as like a 36-year-old when my children were younger that I sort of achieved my goals. I was like, wait a minute. I mean, my customers are really pains in the asses and they never leave, but I'm sort of running a B&B and a, being a chef every day um, and they don't pay and I can't kick them out. So there's issues with that. But I was I sort of achieved both of my dreams in a roundabout really bizarre sort of way. But to today, so I'm, I'm remarried to a wonderful woman who sees me and sees the way I love and, and loves the way I love. And that piece is all about that. It's that simple stuff. I mean, it's the way the sun comes through and your cold feet on a tile floor or, but you creak out of bed, you get out of bed without the bed creaking and you, you want to prepare something for the person you love so that when they rise, they're greeted by the thing that makes them feel good, which is both the thing you're giving them and the fact that it was done for them. And I'm sort of tearing up as I'm talking about this, um... Because it's, I love it. I love that story because it's me. It's me to a T. Um, and, and, uh, and I love that kind of love. And, oh, so real quick too, when we first started dating, one of the first things she did, we were out at a local, like fast, fresh place called Honey Grow that I am mildly addicted to when I'm not cooking for myself. And mildly. I, I drink a lot of, I drink a lot of water um i know you guys are you guys love the beers i love a good craft root beer which maybe we'll come to later i'm not drinking one now i hate to disappoint all the listeners who probably expected me to, i don't have my jeans bogled and i'm not drinking a root beer so this is a total dud for a lot of your audience maybe um in fact i'm not even wearing pants to be honest with you. i'm wearing i just <laughs> hey. I'm, wearing, hey. <laughs> I'm wearing underwear and an old t-shirt um just to paint that to paint that picture forever not safe for work now um, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, she so I ran out of water. I drink a lot of water. I was still eating my meal, and she was eating her meal, and I was out of water. And she just got up and went to the little soda thing that you push the little side button, and water comes out. She didn't need any. The key here, the key in this story, and why it was so important to me is that she didn't need any more water, she didn't need anything. She just noticed I was out and got up. And got it without saying a word, without asking me if I wanted anymore. And we were like weeks. Wait, that might have it was like weeks into our relationship. And I'm like, oh, this is, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I just makes me so warm and fuzzy inside because it's like somebody who's paying attention. I'm an awareness junkie myself, like clarity and awareness junkie. So, like, somebody saw that and it wasn't like oh i'll get up when i need something and i'll do it as well which is nice but it's all it's like a little bit watered down no pun intended um it's it's like she didn't need to get up and she did it and i'm like that's that's love um in its pure sense for me he's going to make us all cry i know that's what i ch- i mean my goal <laughs> anytime i'm speaking is to make i'm like jimmy v on the on the sps like you you, you laugh <laughs> what did he say? You, you spend a day in, in oh god in thought in laughing and in crying i think um he said it much prettier than that but yeah that's that's anytime i'm on anything i try to if i can make people laugh make them think and make them kind of cry or tear up or um, you know in a good way um that's my job's done so
3: mm. well now i feel bad for bringing it back to what i want to ask you <laughs> here comes a horrible segue
1: here
2: comes a great segue
3: so about your divorce no 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 no. horrible segue back to kind of the the independent self-publishing side of things you know one of the reasons i was most excited and subscribed is you know you have this group of us who do write uh and many of us have benefited from a digital platform over you know the the past years, you know, mm-hmm. blogging uh, most of the time outside of a few chances to either, you know, like you or Doug have seen speak at dad 2.0 or, or, or things like that. You pretty much are posting to your blog or guesting somewhere else. Um, yeah. You're using, you know, social media platforms like Twitter. So I'm one of those people, as much as I try, like if I absolutely have to, yes, I can sit down with an e reader and get through something but I love the physical appeal of a book you know so when I saw that you were publishing and it was something that was going to arrive like I I think even my oldest kid I was like look at this it's real (laughs) like it came in the mail you can can read it I can put it on a bookshelf um and then watching that progress uh I think I've seen and correct me I don't want to lie to the audience I think you've been able to actually get uh, the publication into some smaller bookstores in to uh, one right? yeah, the one yeah, local in, one so, local indie here, so like that's exciting to me, but like how how do you foster that relationship in and what are your thoughts on bringing out a physical medium like this in the age where everything <laughs> is so digitized? well, I mean it's ridiculous like it's it's a
2: no I shouldn't have done this. by all rights, I shouldn't have spent money on this, but but at the same time, it's the best thing I could have done because so so reels are a thing, right? Whatever the fuck Twitter's doing. Um
1: and people are just doing <laughs> it.
2: And like they're fucking
1: it. with people, that's what they're doing.
2: I mean, and people are doing it. I don't I'm sorry. If you guys are doing that, I'm sorry. But like, why are you, know you I mean? doing that? Like just because somebody's platform did something, you know, oh, I need to start putting content out. No, you don't. You really don't. Um and I don't know I assume people are saying it's like stories or whatever, and so I guess that means it disappears. and now I use Instagram stories, so i I, I don't want to there's something I, oddly interesting about that um, and I always thought I'd hate something that disappeared right away. but and let me try to answer what you just asked. Um, I obviously I benefit from the internet I work I am part internet um, as we all are, and my lively drummer, world, man what's that lawnmower man yeah like
1: lawnmower man yeah
2: so i mean my livelihood exists on the internet for with few exceptions everything i've written has has been just on the internet there's been some print stuff parents magazine and some other some other things but um for the most part it's on it's on a screen and it it basically disappears it doesn't actually but people forget about it within 24 hours um and i'm like i that's just annoying like it. I want something to last. I need, I, and maybe, God, subconsciously, I'm going to, we're going to, hopefully you don't charge me for this therapy session I'm about to get into, but I'm just going to mine some territory here. Maybe it's because like my marriage had fallen apart the previous summer. um, And like, does anything last? You know, uh, things we put up there, whether they actually disappear on stories or whether people just forget about them as soon as you press publish and they read it and they're like, okay. And then they just move about their day. Um, I just wanted to make something that that's a real thing. I mean, I'd still buy vinyl. Vinyl's never gone away. People say vinyl's back. I'm like, man, vinyl's always been around. Um, And it always will. And I like holding it. I like looking at the art and reading it not on my screen and it's just fun. Um, And so I, and I and I didn't make an e. There's no e version of Stanchet. So Doug, one of the Doug French, one of the he's like, so you're gonna do like a. Like an ebook. Uh, absolutely not. Like, I have the PDFs of it because I need it to send it to the printer. Nobody's ever going to be sent a copy of that ever. Like, not even the contributors. Like, I'm not getting taken the easy way out. I'm like, oh, here's a digital version so you could see your work. No, I'm going to spend the buck, mail it to those people. There is n- no digital version. And they're never, mark my words, <laughs> there never will be. Um, there may be other mediums, just a little slight tease, almost to put myself, pun definitely intended on record about what where I want to go with this as my brain as my little hamster wheel brain rolls around um there might be other ways this is consumed possibly at some point but it's not it's going to be physical um and it and hopefully it all, and, and always will be because I just feel like people need it. I feel like it's – well, one, getting mail is awesome. I, I still – I'm, I'm a four, almost a 45-year-old grown-ass man and I get excited when the mail comes. Like, oh my it, – it's mostly shit uh, but I still love getting it. Um, and now I'm in the apartment. The mail slot is right on the other side of our door – of our kitchen. And the mail lady like is very aggressive with the mail slot. <laughs> And the first day we lived here, we thought here's we were your up. mail. Like it's the metal bins for the whole unit, and it's like boom, 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 boom. Like what's happening? The first day, like five o'clock, the first night, like I don't know if we can live here. Something's going on <laughs> out there. Um, and now I get like a little excited. Like I hear her. I'm like, oh, she's doing it. She's putting the mail in the slot. And as soon as I hear it shut and you hear it, um, I run out and I, I open the mail. So, yeah, people like getting mail. I I mean,
1: I can't be the only one, right? Um, no, that's and- me too because when I get mail, I so our the way our mail carrier comes, she drops stuff in her mailbox on the side and she walks around the front of our house. So, okay. I, so Jill and I, we both work from home. We're both sitting in the living room. We just see her walk by our front window, and I'm like, <laughs> <"Nale's> here. <laughs> and then I go out and go 99% of the time, it's here's this fucking shit that I don't want to see. Like, <laughs> yeah. here, here's fucking goddamn, oh, great, another credit card application. Fuck that. <laughs> like, so, but when I get those little packets with the damn nostalgia magazine, I am so like giddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, like, I mean, by the way, can we talk about the bill of – the bullshit that Blue's Clues has sold a generation of children? Because every – they never – he never gets junk mail. It's always something interesting. Yeah. But that's not the way real life works, kids. Most of the mail shit. But there will be those days when you just got a letter. Yeah. When it's like actually cool and you're like, yeah, the mail. Um, so part of me is like it actually is kind of fun when I put – and the stamps are beautiful. The post office makes $1 stamps that are so <laughs> gorgeous from an art standpoint. Um, And I love stuff in the envelope. It actually does remind – go back to the record label days. Like actually like putting the vinyl in the – I made three seven-inch singles and two CDs. So the first three, like actually putting the records in the paper sleeve, in the cardboard like gatefold sleeve, in the plastic little holder. It's like the process. I'm a process nerd too. So like just doing that. So like stanchion comes, the box comes, I break them out. I print off all of the, the labels, um, put the labels on the envelopes, put the stanchion in the envelope, put the stamp on and then take them to the post office. It's something so like retro kind of cool about just doing that. Um. And then knowing that on the other end, there's, there's people like you guys that are looking forward to that, to getting it and seeing what the covers looks like and what it feels like to hold it. Um, Cause the paper's a real good quality. It's really thick, uncoated. It's, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice looking product. <laughs> I'm happy with it.
3: Yeah. yeah um, I... Go ahead, Jay. Sorry. No, I was just going to piggyback off of what you both said. Like I, I'm, in the same mindset, I look forward to it. And obviously I I get the, the shit mail as well, but like (laughs) I I've tried even throughout the pandemic to kind of instill that in my kids. I know my daughter, um, she ended up, uh, one of our friends moved away to California And um her daughter was like, I want to have a pen pal. And originally she's like, Oh, we'll do email. And I'm like, No, let's let's (laughs) let them write letters and send the mail. And she's been doing that this whole time and and she absolutely loves it. And then like I get the publication, you know, and they see me open that. And then one thing I've been super appreciative of, not all of them do it, but um my oldest is in middle school. And, like, his teachers are actually going out of their way, even though they're meeting virtually. They're actually sending handwritten letters and postcards to the kids, which oh, like, nice. I'm super appreciative of, you know, because they don't have to do that. They can just hop in their Google Meet right. or, or send a quick um, note through Google Classroom. So I, I think it's, it's allowing them to see that it's not this dead medium out there. You know, you can write letters to people. It doesn't always have to be a quick tweet or an email. Right. So, and it's so
2: personal. Like it, cause you physically touched it. Like I, I, when I walk around museums and see stuff that's like a thousand years old, like sculpture I'm like, man, people actually touch that. Like that are thousands of years ago. And so the teachers doing it, like it's, it's a, it's a way of giving a part of your, of your, yourself like your actual human touch and 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 the senses it's a sensory experience and it's it'll never die I mean I, we sound like so old here like <laughs> vital records and mail yeah um but no I mean hopefully it never goes away oh Jay I want to say to you um I, years ago I used to write for PBS every two weeks and doing like learning activities fun cool shit for kids to do and one of them was about mailing, I think, or I wrote this. I, I, It's a good problem to have, but I've written for a lot of different places. So it may not have been PBS, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, one of the things was to get a pen pal and to write, not just letters, but like write. next time your daughter sends something, like start a song, like write a couple lines and then have her friend like add to it and like send it back. And like, they can write a song together. Like, on paper going back like a lyric sheet i i I was really proud of coming up with that idea because i think i don't know if anybody did it out there in pbs land but i think that's super cool so like you're not just saying like hey how are you you're like sharing in something that's this like joint effort but actually in writing um in different handwriting from like verse to verse or whatever uh i think that's really cool if your daughter loves and her friend love music like try writing a song together long distance um I would love to see how that turns out.
3: I think that's awesome. And she has taken to music as well. So oh, nice. I, I also love vinyl like you do. Um, So we've, we've got that hobby where we collect and listen to vinyl. And then um, recently over the past like three months, you know, she's always been one of those. She loves music and she'll sing along with it. But I never knew. How much she watches me so i i sing and i play guitar Mm -hmm. and i have a piano and like one day she's like can i borrow your guitar i'm like yeah (laughs) and now mind you she's never had any lessons so it wasn't like watching this Epic performance, but she comes down like three hours later. She's like, I wrote this, and like <laughs> we were almost in tears. Like she's like drumming the same chord for three minutes, but oh like God. singing the lyrics. It, it should spin to the point. She's like, Can I keep your guitar? And I'm like, oh, I've got two now. Yeah, you can keep that. So I think your idea that's went, awesome fit really well with her. Yeah, she's it's just as much as we see negative in the pandemic, it, it's allowed us to see, you know, hobbies or interests or. Our, our loves that, you know, we have or our children have that we may not have seen otherwise. Uh, totally true. I, I agree. There's, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of, I, I mean,
2: this is, it sounds almost weirdly morbid or or unsympathetic. I mean, obviously this has been horrendous. And if we could not have had any of this happen, that would have been the best case scenario. But it happened. It is happening. And it will be happening for a while longer. But there is, there are stories. There are things out there. And I think it's important to recognize that, that it's not all unemployment and death and terrible stuff. There are people there, there's your daughter writing music. There's me starting this thing and, and working with, with men and women um, to produce something. And there's, there's probably thousands, millions of stories where good stuff, small and big have happened. And that maybe wouldn't have happened. Um, and it, it's nice to know, even if we may never know the full extent of, of what all that is, that there, are it, i don't want to say silver linings that again feels crass but it's not all horrendous which i i take some comfort in very very small but i i have to find some comfort in that that people have grown or discovered something or fallen in love or in my case gotten married um and had this my, my, the, the better part of our relation of this relationship which is still very new um ex- exists in a pandemic um and it's, it's, we are a good story. Uh, so yeah, they're out there. I, I'd love, I don't know how we tell it. I I don't know. I mean, we all do stuff and tell stories and, and have interviews and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I wish we could find out more about the good stuff that's happened this year.
1: There's good stuff, but it, it's between the cracks a bit because of the overlying thing of COVID. And it's something like where, when we were talking Jane, and i talking talk pre production, was like the idea of like your revenue stream of being like a travel blogger kind of just <laughs> like, fuck that. Nobody can travel. So it's like, yeah. So, yeah. so like, a, I, I don't know. For me, so like how Jill and I manifested this was like, all right, what can we do in our house? Because we were both working from home and we did a metric shit ton of stuff. And I mean, yeah way beyond what I expected I would be able to do. I am not, I never considered myself a guy who was handy. Um, so we built a greenhouse. I expanded oh. our garden by 24 feet. I dug it out by hand. Oh my God. And then we made two flower beds. We built a fence. We put a compost bin in. We're in the middle of a kitchen renovation. And all of a sudden I'm a handy guy. Oh, Bob, fucking Vila. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's not go that far. But uh, someone who can do stuff. So what's, inter- <laughs> so what's interesting is, so we bought our cabinets for our kitchen from Ikea, which Ikea has a fucking reputation for having shitty directions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you, the directions for the cabinets were easy. Right. Really? And Jill assembled all the cabinets. And then, so for me... It was like, okay, if we're going to hang these cabinets, I've never hung cabinets in my fucking life. What, how am I going to do this? A couple of YouTube videos. I measure the shit out of everything. I mean, <laughs> I'm measuring five times, and I'm making sure it's all level at a laser level. I do everything, and we hang everything. Everything goes up without a fucking hitch. That's and awesome. I was, and I was like, Jesus Christ, this was not as daunting as I thought. So. I, I don't here, know. I, I, like, here I am, I'm thinking I'm all I'm the shit
2: because I like manage to hang picture frames like mostly straight, and you're freaking
1: hanging cabinets and stuff. Oh, yeah. it, it's not just me. Understand? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not claiming it's me. I'm claiming it's both of us. Yeah. Because, no, I totally get it. So, so the yeah. thing is with IKEA, they do this rail system where they put these metal rails. You make sure the metal rails are level, and you just fucking hang the shelves on them. So wow. it's super easy. Okay. Except there's one shelfy thing that we got that was like this own thing that had like, you could hang it, it had no rail system, wasn't supposed to be in a high rail system, it's only supposed to be hung on the wall. Oh. And it's 45 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I'm holding it and Joel's trying to screw the screw, that like the anchor parts yeah. in and then do the screws. And I'm holding it. My arms are wobbling like Rudy Giuliani trying to hold in a fart. It's not <laughs> great. <laughs> so I hold it, and I'm like, "Alex, come over here. You have to hold this." So he holds it with his hands. I stick my head under it to hold it up with my head because my arms were just jello. <laughs> so Joel screws it all in, and it hangs, and it looks fucking great. That's Except awesome. I'm not, and I'm just looking at it like I don't know how the fuck we pulled that off, but awesome!
2: <laughs> you, you, you used your head. I mean, that's literally, that's
1: what
2: you did. yeah, yeah. That's great. I I would have paid money to to uh, to simul- to um a pay per view of that. I would have actually gone in for ten dollars to watch you holding a forty 45- five
1: <laughs> on your head. Well, here's the thing. I was holding it up. Alex was actually holding it next to the cabinet that we already hung. So okay. so it was like this weird joint effort. We managed to get it hung; it's level.
2: I I I commend you. I mean, a team effort or, or not, that is. I never learned how to do anything. So well, I didn't either.
1: I didn't either. Honestly, it was me. I I. So my brother redid his whole house. I mean, he tore everything down to the fucking studs. Just redid everything, yes. and. Wow and he he's a super duper handy guy he's a mechanic but if he run if he ran into something and was like okay well i don't know this he would call one of his friends who does that stuff Uh, So, so he has a lot of friends that would be like well just do this and he's like okay great and then he'd go and do it so i would i contacted him several times and be like i don't understand this part he's like just do this great um I don't know. It, it, I'm going to tell you. You could use to. You could use YouTube. YouTube has a million videos that you can find to do almost yeah. any fucking thing. Like literally yeah. everything. <laughs> so, so the thing is, like, so we're going to spend a, a certain amount of money on this kitchen. It would be double, if not triple, if we had other people doing the work.
2: I have a con- Yeah, totally, totally. I, I want to go back to say something. Um, you mentioned the travel business being a travel writer that is one of the the interesting that's a that's a word interesting things about this year is
1: interesting that,
2: and it, so i i guess there's probably a lot of people um that have seen what i've been doing over the past several years and have been a little bit jealous like oh, i wish i was a travel writer I don't I, – I think that all went away this year. Like I, nobody is clamoring to be a travel writer in 2020 because it's like there's no money and you're not going anywhere. Like whoever ever felt like, man, that guy's lucky, they're not probably thinking that these days because yeah, everything went away, obviously. I mean like not even the ability to travel, but like even – I mean I could write stories. I've traveled a, a good amount that I could just write Stories based on stuff I have done in the past, but who the hell wants to read that? Because you can't do it, you can't go, and and who nobody wants to pay for it, which is the bigger problem. Um, now that's starting to change, which is weird and uncomfortable in a way. Um, like I, we did, we've traveled a bit, and we did just fly to the Dominican Republic a couple of weeks ago, um, and. I wrote a story about that, sold a story to a gigantic publication that I've never written to before. Um, And so that's cool, but it's really weird to be out there and like treading that line of like, "Mm, should I, should I be like, look at us um, when all this crap's going on? Uh, It's it's difficult uh, to do what I Am trying to do continue doing for a living because I'm really not qualified to do anything else. Um, I'm not going to hang cabinets. I'm not going to, I can't re like, I'm not really even good with an Allen wrench just in general. Um, let alone hanging anything or doing anything or working in an office. I mean, that's out of the question. Like I'm relatively, <laughs> un, I'm relatively unemployable in a traditional sense. Um, cause I can't, go to ever go to another meeting again for as long as I live. <laughs> um my and that's all like work office which I left 10 uh 12 12 years ago, left like white collar cubicle office stuff. Um and so I it's been 12 years of being self-employed and that the the traditional employment ship has sailed for me. So I need to keep figuring this out. Um you know, starting a, a, a print publication, not exactly like – I'm not going to be like William Randolph Hearst or Pulitzer or anything, like starting a, a media empire, but um, – Especially yeah, if you have
1: guys like me in it.
2: <laughs> well, I didn't want to say that, but yeah. Um, no, you, you make – you stop it. See, now if Doug French were on the line, he sort of beat this out of me. Like I don't do that stuff much anymore, like that kind of self-deprecating stuff because you know you're good. I know you know you're good. Um, And I know I can write a little bit. And that's cool. Like, it's okay to say that. That story is gorgeous. And it deserves to be in print. And it deserves to be read and reread over and over again. Um, And my wife loves that story and loves your other writing, too. Um, And once, because you guys talked at Dad, too, because she came with me. Back when we did things in February.
1: Um, and we could actually hang out with the a Hug public. and like talk
2: face-to-face with our with our lips, seeing our lips moving, not behind something. Um,
1: yeah. Which and, which like, as partially... a partially deaf person, I'm going to oh tell my you. God. Oh God. I never me even up. thought about that. What a nightmare that must be. Oh, it's not great. It's not great. Because if I have to go shopping for like groceries. Yeah. It, it, it's a mess. It's a mess for me. Wow,
2: wow, yeah. There's like an, a story. I'm sure it has been told, but I've not seen that. Like the impact that these masks are having on on that community of, uh, from a communication standpoint. There's you- there's
1: folks there's folks that I know who have written about that, which are people who are actually deaf. It's like I'm only partially deaf, so I I can't I can't speak to that as much. Uh, I know that when I go out in public, part of my part of my thing is like when I talk to people, I, I always read lips. I I, I I unconsciously do it, but it helps me so much. But now it's like I go out and I'm like, I, I must ask part me a hundred thousand times because wow. it's, it's bad. Wow! Oh. Sorry to sorry to bring everything down, folks. Woo-hoo! <laughs> no, no, I that's.
2: That makes me want to read something of you, uh, like like fictionalize or or, te- or like have a short story about like what that, like an internal monologue, like a conversation. I I I could feel a, a piece from you. I could see it. I could hear it. Um, about what that is like. Maybe not like on the nose, like Dear Diary style, because I I wouldn't expect that from you. But something in your way of like describing that. As you're processing it, um, I would I'd be all over reading that. Uh, so there you go. There's your homework from this episode. Get to work.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so what's Jay's homework? We got to give Jay some homework too. Can't I can't.
2: You? Know, Jay on the line? Jay just stopped talking. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> uh. Not the first person I put to sleep talking, that's for sure. No, no,
3: I, I, I was just gonna mess with Doug, you know, when when he starts talking about not being able to read lips, and uh, I was just gonna bore him with the fact that some spinoff of Grey's Anatomy they they showed no. the import- <laughs> they showed the importance of having masks that you could actually see the lips through. So. uh so, I mean, yeah, it is a topic that's out there. And I didn't even think of it. I mean, how many times do you tell me all the time, you know, Doug, oh, I'm deaf and I didn't catch that. And it's not something at the forefront of my mind because I have the luxury of being remote at home. Uh, my employer didn't even make us turn on our cameras until like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, now that you've said it, I'm sitting over here like, oh, man, how many times have I been an asshole in public and not realized it?
1: (laughs) Welcome, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So I I just want to make the point that, like, so there are things that, like, someone like me who has trouble, difficulty hearing people, especially... um, I'm going to say anybody that has a higher pitch voice or higher pitch noises are really a challenge for me. Lower registers are easier for me, but like if I'm out and I'm at home Depot because goddamn, I'm improving everything in my fucking house. (laughs) um, um, If I'm talking to somebody and they're talking to me and I can't read their lips, I am catching probably half of what they say. If they have a deep register voice. Wow wow maybe half maybe now again i'm i'm doing this for someone who can catch some things yeah yeah not everything um like i said maybe half maybe there's some people who if, if you're a higher register voice be you male or, male or female it doesn't matter the gender it matters your voice register for me so it, it's just interesting because like I don't know if you've ever seen the face mask with the clear face part, but it's creepy. Yeah. As fuck,
2: it is super creepy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's fucking creepy as hell. Cause you're just looking at it, and somebody's like, and it almost looks like those dumb fucking things where you see people have like the the filters on it, just their lips moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what it looks like to me. So it's almost <laughs> like disconnected. So. <sighs> um oh
2: i want to ask you guys a question because it's something we way back in the beginning of this this conversation we start we were talking about your story and talking about the way you show love and um the ritual of that um have you do either of you guys read to your significant others like we probably both we all read to our children up to a certain point um and jay maybe you still do but um do you guys read to your partners
1: I I do not, uh, unless it's something like a Twitter feed that thinks it's really important that I don't want to send,
3: but that's literally it.
1: Jay, what about you?
3: Yeah. I mean, if I have something that really hits me, that uh, kind of dings me in my emotions, especially because of me having a massive depressive disorder, like she'll listen if there's something I want to read, but when it comes to her interest in literature, um, Let's just say I, I I probably should, but I don't have it in me to read Fifty Shades of Grey to her.
2: <laughs> really? Would you maybe act it out instead? <laughs> no, I mean like like I would. Um, Wait, that's what your wife reads, like that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, she reads that kind of stuff. Wow. Okay. I mean, there's there's one-offs like I got Michelle Obama's Becoming for her because she wanted that. Um, I'm more of the the reader. Uh, out of the relationship, okay I mean if she showed interest, I would gladly read to her. I just um I, she kind of prefers movies and TV shows to that, which okay. I enjoy that time. like that's one of the jokes, you know, I think Doug and I, a long time ago on one of our first uh, episodes of this, I said I've probably seen every single episode of Grey's Anatomy and could like recite it verbatim because it's just (laughs) something she loves and that's one of my love language things if you want to watch that I will Um, oh cool
2: so that's her thing but you you participate in that correct yeah Uh, and
3: and and like I said I know she's there if there's something that sticks out like I know I've read some of Doug's pieces to her before I've read something that I've written and she's open to that but again books as a whole just aren't really her thing
2: oh okay okay
3: um i just it's it's i wanted to bring it up because i it's so
2: intimate like it's such a i had never had i'd never done that so i mean i was married for uh, let's just say 17 years something like that and i'd never neither one of us had ever read to each other other than like like you were like editing me like i would read out loud something i was working on because that is a different way of editing than just in your own head, but like a piece of fiction or somebody else's work, neither one of us has ever done that. Never even thought of it. But in, in this incredible marriage, I'm in, um, we read to each other all the time and it's so beautiful. Like just kind of snuggled up and reading, uh, anything really. I mean, she loves horror, which Doug, you know, um, and I'm reading, she found this, this short stories, like great famous and not so famous authors, horror authors that did like short pieces, um, cause that's my jam. So it's like a combination of our two things. And then I've read all of Orner, Peter Orner's short stories, collections to her. Um, and it's just such a, there's something so like together. I mean, we love movies and, and, and cartoons and stuff. Um, but man, I, I can't recommend it enough just to just quiet, like put, put some candles on obviously a, a light as well to read. Um, because, you know, it's not the Dark Ages. We're civilized people. We could put a light on. A uh, soft light. And just, like, have nothing stirring. And just the sound of each other's voice. Oh, man. It's it's so, so cool. Anyway, that was apropos of nothing. I, really. I just wanted to say that. Because I think it's... As I navigate this, like, new love. Um, and, and learning from, from mis- mostly mistakes <laughs> of the past. Um, and, like... New things to like really bind bind people together um in a in such a strong way-, way that I had never done before. I think it's super important and it's territory that i'm I'm gonna be going on about in future things uh as i write but it's um it's a real beautiful moment to have together
3: yeah and i i I agree with you, I think it's super important i th- uh a few months back. I joined, there's like the, one of those random subscription programs, you know, where you get a book in a box every month. You get a an oh. pick. And um, <laughs> one, of, one of the ones I chose, there was a memoir that came out this year called The Beauty and Breaking, and it's actually by an ER doctor. Okay. And, and she was basically writing about what it was like coming out of school, becoming an ER doctor, being a black woman. Um, and that was one of the things, the first time she, my wife really did show interest. And I was like, well, oh, well, we should get you a copy. We can read it together. And that's really the first time she showed interest there. But it's one of the things I've been trying to uh, like highlight in my life, not only for myself, but for her and the kids. Like, I don't find anything wrong with TV. I, I play video games with the kids, I watch TV too. But I got to the point where, you know, I was like, okay, we're in a pandemic, we're at home. Here's my eight to 10 hours of work. I spent let's say a hundred hours watching TV between this time to this time. When was the last time I picked up a book? Yeah. That's that's why I was like, okay, let's go to the library. Let's subscribe to this book subscription thing, you know? And I know there's been a few times the last time I traveled for work, even, um, you know, like I said, she doesn't really have that interest. So Doug is like the other person on the end of my books. Usually like I know I was in the airport and I was like, Hey, look what I picked up. Oh, no. so yeah, I, I think it is interesting to kind of find that out and what love language is there. Um, and again, I could see her being open to it. It's, it's just, um, it probably wouldn't be as often as some other couples.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: Um, but isn't that,
2: isn't that weird though? Like, cause reading, I say this to my kids who used to be like ferocious readers, they they. Voracious, ferocious. One of those two. Um, oh. They read. All the, they would read all the time. Um, avid readers, but they don't. They've become way more into watching stuff and consuming. And I would say that, and I'm like, well, like it's passive. Like I'm like, well, reading, it's also passive in consumption. But boy, isn't doesn't it feel different than like consuming in other ways? Um, and I don't know why that is exactly because you're still taking something in. You're not being creative. You're not putting anything out you're you're taking things on board, but it feels so different than and you you're sitting usually it's just like t v you're you're taking somebody else's art and words in, but we put more value on reading as like a more of a highbrow thing I guess
1: well, I think that's more because what you're doing is so let's say you read something and you're introducing your imagination and interpretation into it. If that makes sense. Whereas, like, you're not getting a visual when you're reading a book. Your visual is what you interpret it as. What do you see when somebody's giving you these words? And you go, All right, this is what I see out of it. Whereas, if yeah. somebody says, All right, so I see I'm watching Westworld and all right, I get this sense and everything is kind of laid out, you don't get interpretation as much. Not as yeah. much. Whereas with reading, you're like, Here's this world somebody's laying out for you, but you have input into it. You have the ability to kind of put how you view that, how you how you take that in. No, um, that makes sense. Like they're painting
2: it, the, the main part of it, but you're you're taking it all the way out to the edge of the frame. Like you're filling it all in for sure. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense.
1: That, that, makes that, sense. that That's how that's how it seems. Now, now, granted, there are certain things that you look at and you go, "That's much better." as a TV slash movie or show, because they're painting it in a way you can't get when it's written.
0: And there are other
1: things where it's like, I'm going to give you the dark tower as an example, the Stephen King epic. That's like (laughs) that thing you can't make into a movie, right? Or a show. Like they tried to make a movie and it was a dog shit. Fucking (laughs) interpretation. (laughs) But because what they were trying to do is take all the books and make it here's this interpretation. What goes from there? Whereas here's the thing: if you're reading a book like that, there is a descriptive element to it. That all right? Granted, you have to understand Stephen King is a goddamn savant when it comes to writing books. There's a way he writes, especially small town, country, cowboy like. He has a descriptive manner about how he writes, which is unlike any person that I've ever read. So he's an outlier. He's not someone you're going to go that All right, well, I got that, but okay, they're going to make it a movie, and that movie's going to be great. That's why I don't think a lot of Stephen King books translate well into movies or shows. Did you see "The Outsider on HBO?: I did not see it. I read the book. The book was fucking excellent
0: yeah and I and, um, I,
1: and I and i and i got about halfway through the first episode but i watched that kind of drunk so probably not a great we not a great uh assessment of it so what did you um, think of it
2: my my wife is a huge stephen king fan and love the outsider and the book and we we watched the movie or the the show together it out didn't binge it like um and really really liked it like a lot um it was really, you know, the first season of True Detective style of, like, slow, oh, slow yeah, and beautiful and, cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was really gorgeously done. Mm-hmm. And she says it's one of the few things, I guess from, from a TV show, possibly including movies, that they really did well
1: of his. I know, I will say I read Under the Dome and the TV interpretation of it. I watched one episode of that show and I was like, that's not it and i just <laughs> oh, okay i i'm intrigued to see how they're going to do the stand because the stand is a wait are they making that into something that's making, a yeah and cbs is making an all-access show of that and I, all I, right. I i'm really not sure how they're going to make it um yeah i don't know huh hey, hey i'm gonna ask you a quick horror question has, has uh your wife read anything from chuck wendig chuck wendig honey She has not, but she needs a recommendation. All right, I'm going to give you two. Uh, One is something called Wanderers, which is a stand style epic that is like 800 pages long. That (laughs) is freaking awesome. The book is unbelievable. They're making it into a TV adaptation. Uh, The other thing is the Miriam Black books, which are three or four deep. They're not classic horror. It's not something where it's like horror. It's, It's more... It's more hard tied with science and sci fi. Okay. Of deal. So, I, 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 uh, Wendig, I'm actually trying to, I think I'm actually going to have on our, uh, Greg Washington and I's, uh, Brothers and Boo show. We're actually going to be able to get him on that, which is really? kind of crazy because Chuck Wendig has written for the Star Wars universe and his Wanderers book is being made into a show. He's like, <laughs> yeah, man, that'd be great. And I was like, holy shit. Like, that was. It. I expect him wow. be like be like, who the fuck are you guys? Fuck you! That,
2: <laughs> but, is not, that is not any of my universe. But why do I know his name? Like, what
1: oh, would he, I know? Oh, he he has an awesome Twitter presence. Oh, maybe it's from Twitter. Okay, maybe yeah. it's from Twitter. Yeah, yeah, you know he he's he's pretty progressive, but he's also wow. like he takes awesome photos of like wildlife around his house, and he also wow. has, has a weird obsession with heirloom apples. <laughs> So okay. <laughs> yeah, he's a super interesting guy, and uh, yeah, I- I'm hoping I can get him on the show, then that show. But like, I-, I think that like, I think your wife would really enjoy his book Wanderers if she likes. Okay. If she likes. All right. So here's a weird thing. He wrote this three years ago and wrote it as a pandemic happening in the middle of an election. Oh my god. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> Nostradamus.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. Um, cool. Well, yeah, she's jotting them down. Miriam Black books and The Wanderers. So thank you for
1: that. Yeah, for sure. And also, uh, if she hasn't read Paul Tremblay, House Full of Ghosts. Oh, she, she loves Tremblay. Uh, House Full of Ghosts is one of the best horror books I've read in the last 10 years. It's fucking ridiculously great.
2: She says it's fantastic. Survivor it's
1: it's on her shelf. Survivor Song is the new one, she says. Yeah, I haven't read that yet, but I've heard that's amazing. And uh, and I actually have it in my to-be-read list. After um, Harrow the Ninth, if she hasn't read anything by Tamson Muir, <laughs> I highly recommend those books. Jay, you
2: and I are barely even on this podcast
3: anymore.
1: <laughs> it's my wife from the other room and Doug.
3: Yeah, Sorry, Jay. We just got to give her a lavalier mic. We'll, who was we'll that?
1: Who was that last author, Doug? Tam Samir. I'll send you. Uh, I'll send you a link. <laughs> she. She did. Uh, her latest book is Harrow the Ninth, and uh, so basically, it's like lesbian necromancers. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. So the first book was. God damn, I can't remember the the character's name. It was Harrow is the is the level but I'll send you pictures of that after the fact.
2: Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Um so yeah, my wife loves horror and uh and she her and Doug, they were proud to announce that they will be starting their own horror book podcast that's coming out. <laughs> 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 Subscribe called,
1: called Folks Who Like Horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just folks, folks. folks. <laughs> um cool
2: uh anything else you guys want to ask me before we go
3: yeah i mean i I was
1: uh, go ahead jay sorry
3: yeah i was just gonna cap off that last discussion since doug went off on a tangent (laughs) Uh, Sorry. (laughs) it's okay editing magic makes everything fit um you know I, i think it's interesting i've i've grown to see my kids personalities kind of what you were coming uh coming at us with jeff where you said you know you have this mindset that, you know, reading uh, sometimes is for the elite or upper people. <laughs> like my middle schooler, he is always, he's, he's just one of those people like you give him a book and he has done, understands it. Yeah. Um, he, he charts way above his grade level. His teachers love it. My middle child is the same way grade wise. Right. So he's well above his grade level. They're like, wow, what are you doing? But like to, until recently to get him to actually actively want to read a book or a magazine or anything. Like, he's like, is it Diary of the Wimpy Kid? Cause if yeah. it isn't, I don't want it. And I'm like, how are your like comprehension scores so high if that's all you read. But it was funny when we're talking about mediums uh, currently that, you know, information is, is being sent out from, he like rushes downstairs the other day and he's like, I, I was part of this event in Roblox, this video game. And, and I want this book. I'm like, okay, Did you know what the book is? He's like, yeah, I want Ready Player One. Oh. And I was like, it's already on our bookshelf. Your brother and I read it. He's like, whoa, really? I'm like, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like, it's funny to me. You have those who seek out, you know, books or the paper format first and then expand to other mediums, be it TV shows or video games that are developed off of those. And then you have people like my middle child who are like, he loves this game and they happen to do a promotion because I guess ready player Two released, And then all of a sudden it's piqued his interest. You know? Now it's, and I get that book. Um, so it's very interesting to me because I know I can go to my middle schooler and be like, Hey, the, here's the synopsis of this book. Do you think you'd be interested in it? And like, he's yes. Just get me the book, get me everything. <laughs> like, yes. For books for Christmas. Uh, and I know that Lucas, my middle child, like he's going to be like, yeah, no, I don't really want the book. Do they have a video game? Is there a TV show? Is there a movie? Um, And yet he still, you know, comprehends that and scores well. So again, just a a little going back there.
2: That's cool. However, I mean, so my wife, to bring her into this podcast again, she she is a bookstore manager and she is a huge advocate. It's it's a vocation, not a job for her. It's been 20 years of her life. And she obviously, young, young people reading is a massive win for her whenever she can like hand sell a book or recommend a book to a child in the store on the floor. But she often says to me, like, it does not matter. Like parents, she would have parents come in and be like, my kids only read this stuff. But they're like, she's like, they're reading. Like, that's a good thing. You can't force feed them like grapes of wrath. If they're in the dire of a wimpy kid right now, like they, oh, yeah. will, they will grow. But the good thing is that they're reading. <laughs> that's all that matters. Whether it's comic books, graphic novels, Tolstoy, who cares? Like, just read. Um, and if they come to it through through a, through a video game or through a movie and or like the novelization of Frozen 2 or whatever, when they they would turn that into, like, book products, that's awesome. Like, that's a win. It doesn't matter. And it, it doesn't make it lesser because of how they got there. The, the end – justifies whatever means it took the path the journey to to have children reading is a wonderful thing
3: oh totally and and that's why i've even told my wife you know she gets to the point where as an adult you know that many of those novels for that age level are kind of repetitive but i've said the oh, same sure. thing. at least he's reading so i will still take them you know like to the physical bookstore and i'm like take your time look at it you know bring it to me um you can have whatever you want or even like on Amazon, I'll just randomly tell them go through make a list you know um, so he he knows that I'm fine with it. I just uh, it's very interesting to see you know not just children but but adults personality and reception of books and, and how they are brought into those worlds.
2: I mean, before we knock um, children's books for being repetitive, I'd like to point out that Tom Clancy, Brad Thor, <laughs> and Lee Childs have basically been writing the same book over and over again. True. White guy saves the world from some international rogue group. It was just, it went from like Russians to Middle Eastern <laughs> to Chinese consortiums or whatever it is now. But it's basically the it's it's the airplane 2 syndrome i always joke so airplane one of the funniest movies ever and then they made airplane 2 which is like the same movie it's just in space <laughs> it's like i swear to god the script is the same um these jokers have been making cash and checks just turning out the same slop over and over again and people just gobble grovel it up so yeah it di- young people can read the same version of different versions of the same book just like a lot of grown-ups do
1: <laughs> definitely for sure and like the idea of like so you have Robert Ludlum's also in that because he wrote a million Bourne movies Bourne books and okay, I, I watch every goddamn Bourne movie that I can see because <laughs> I, I'm, like it's one of those movies that like if it's on TV I'm going to tune in um, no matter
2: where it is like in the it, middle of other...
1: it it's that because it's like the action sequences are so freaking ridiculously filmed yeah that I just like, I'm sucked in. It's not even the storyline all that much. It's just the way they film it. There's certain movies that like storyline get you. Other movies, it's the way they filmed. Okay. And, and and born is just the way they film it. The way they do the tight action scenes and everything's really
2: like choreographed. So, is tight. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. But it, but but again, it's not it's not like so you look at something like I just recently what rewatched The Matrix. And the way they do the fight scenes and that is everything is super choreographed, but they have to, because at that time, the way they film things was different. And like, so like trying to explain to my kids, like the matrix when I was a kid was like, that was super cutting edge shit. You're just like, holy fuck. And like bullet time stuff that they did in that movie is still used. But, like, there are certain movies that I look at or where it's like, God damn, that's just, that's so well shot. Like, I'll give you one. Like, if you look at something like the movie 300, Mm -hmm. 300 is excellently shot. It's got this weird coffee filter view. And, like, it just, it's, if you look at it from a pure movie perspective, probably not a great movie, but the way they shoot it makes it, have such emphasis and i think there's there's you can look at that from the way things are like depends on how you like i'll give you a for instance so i think i read the book fight club and i watched a movie the movie is miles better than the book that's a Ooh. rarity yeah uh, because the, the book is 200 pages yeah it's very small it's very small and it's great but the way they film that but but it's because fucking Fincher, Fucking directed it who is a goddamn he's a genius but i don't know i i just i don't know where i was tying this i think it was more like (laughs) we have these things where it's like some things are better mediums for different spaces like so so like uh, i'll give you there's a guy there's an author i like named jonathan mayberry who writes this book series called the joe ledger series joe ledger is a super kick-ass fucking guy who is like not a brilliant detective but is smart enough to kind of get things but it's like basically this blend of sci-fi and like futuristic military shit that when it comes to being an audiobook the guy he has a guy named Ray Porter who Ray Porter is one of these guys who gives every character its own voice every okay. accent He's one of these people who can just like that character gets his voice. This character gets his voice and, and he can do all the voices, all the accents. doesn't matter who it is or where they're from. Wow. So I've tried reading the book and the books are just not as good as the audiobooks. books.
2: Oh. <laughs> it's,
1: it's just, it's just a medium works. You know what I yeah. mean?
2: Yeah. And so, yeah. However you, however you come to, quality stuff and however you get your your intake of literature or or storytelling is a good thing it's it's a net positive in the end and so when kids are finding stuff through comics or through video games v you and then ending up with a book in their hand like that's hell hell yeah man that's cool it's very cool um yeah yeah so um
1: I think we've kind of come to a natural end of this because we're like a minute or, well, an hour, a minute. Yeah, a minute, Doug. <laughs> wow, a whole minute. We covered yeah. a lot in a minute. For a minute, who was like, uh, you know, time is a flat circle now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, an hour and 20 minutes in, I think we're pretty, pretty set for what we got. I mean, Jay, I don't know if you have anything else, but like this thing, I, Jeff, I could talk to for hours. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know if you have anything else you want to bring up, but I, I'm, I don't know. I'm no. set.
3: Yeah, I think we've covered most of what you and I were kind of looking to cover uh, when we discussed it pre-production. I mean, I'm the same way. I could go on and have these discussions. I, I have to admit, between this episode, having you here, Jeff, and then having, you know, BK and Aaron Javelberg and some of the uh, other Dad 2.0 guys recently, I am really ready for this. Pandemic to be over and and reunite with some of you in person. Not that it's not nice having you on here and talking to you from a distance, but man, those personal relationships, I I definitely miss those.
2: Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. It, It it definitely brings home the 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 absentee nature of all of this. Like zooming and podcasting and talking is cool, but it's not. It's it's sort of a pale imitation of like a hug and a smile and a pat on the back and yeah and and if if we're partaking in any sort of beverages adult or otherwise like you know clinking glasses and whatnot um in person so someday we will we shall be together again yeah i remember in the meantime this was really wonderful and i'm really appreciative of you guys taking the time and and having me on and discussing all this all this stuff It, it was really cool yeah
1: thanks again for being on it's been great definitely thank you
0: pleasure is all mine guys thank you
1: thanks folks we'll see you next time
0: you've been listening to the parental Dad Advisory podcast if you haven't done it already be sure and subscribe so you don't miss an episode want to get social with doug and jay check out parentaldadvisory.com for direct links to everywhere they are online including facebook instagram twitter and youtube one last thing if you enjoyed the parental Dad advisory podcast give it a positive review and tell all your friends about it.